At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It's Jose Galison. Uh, you're watching No Way Jose. No Way Jose. You can find me on No Way. No, God, my fucking all tongue tied today. You can find me on No Way Jose YouTube channel, uh, all the major auto pocketers and Odyssey as well, and Rumble. Rumble, I'm pushing that big right now. Uh, you guys may notice uh, if some of you guys have picked up on it. I probably should put a little update on YouTube for you guys, but I haven't been posting to YouTube as much lately, and that's for a reason. I told you guys recently I got a strike, so. Yeah, I'm not going to be posting there until that strike completely expires, and I figured it's a good time to build up my Rumble, stuff like that, too. I mean, also, if you want to, I do put uh, in my Patreon, I put the, I do link this to another separate YouTube channel, so you can still have that YouTube option for those who find that convenient. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to become a patron, it's a patron, it's patreon.com, no way, Jose. 2020 uh it's lowest levels two bucks highest levels 20 20 is a sponsor level like i said that's uh, how you keep going on the youtube if that's for some reason a sticking point for you but other than that's gonna be everywhere else rumble's been doing uh, pretty good surprisingly and i just got around to making it so i'm behind the curve so i need to build that up um i do want to give a little bit of an apology to my patrons and my followers because i don't know if you guys noticed i haven't been doing as many episodes lately just been really bogged down uh, but I want to want to let you guys know, give you a little hope. I'm not petering out. I promise. And how you can tell is because next Wednesday, uh, this yeah, next Wednesday for me. By the time this comes out, it'll probably be within a few days. Uh, I'll be going back on Timcast. Uh, so August second. So this won't be a solo episode. Last time I went with my boy Reed. Reed's actually going on like roughly a week after me this time. Same with Clint. Uh, Clint's going on. Uh, I can't remember the exact days for both of them, but we're all going on at the same time. So definitely. Uh, so check that out. So I'm uh, I'm not I'm not I'm slowing down a little bit for the summer because I've been doing a lot of stuff with the family. But uh, I should be able to get back in the 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 run of things here soon. But I appreciate you guys' support in the meantime. Um, uh, real quick, uh, do a little uh, pay a little bit of the bills. Uh, I want to remind you guys about my sponsors. My sponsor is Jeremy, uh, and this is my twenty dollar level. Jeremy who has an Etsy store at etsycom shop raising liberty. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Rhymes. It's also have my co-host on Tower Gang Toad at Tower Gang Toad. Uh, and then also have Zach Overacker at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K on Twitter. Uh, that, actually, no, Lindsay, I always screw this up. Lindsay OKC on t uh, TikTok. Go follow her. She's doing a lot of the OKC content that I'm not doing over there because I'm not a fan of TikTok, but I'm glad someone's doing that, so good on her. Uh, also have Kevin B. Clark, a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area. Go hit him up. Uh, you know, you can hit me up if you want to try to get in contact with him if you're looking for a uh, anyone to do a private event or a or just like a music teacher, so let me know. Uh, or, you know, look him, look him up. 
Uh, today, I am having Eric Abinati today. We're going to be going through a slew of different stuff. Uh, and this is part of, I'm going to take try to take advantage of this time where I'm going more on Rumble and just some audio podcatchers because I'm not going to lie, to some extent, I've held back a little bit on some topics I want to cover just because... I mean, some stuff you're like, I know I can't talk about this on YouTube. Like, I mean, I, let's if we're going to talk about Columbine, we're going to talk about Sandy Hook or all sorts of weird stuff, which you guys might be surprised from my positions. It may not be as kooky as you think uh, or maybe more kooky than you think. I don't know, but I do think these are topics we should be able to talk about, and that's not something we can really do over on YouTube. So I'm uh, looking forward to putting more content up on Rumble, especially if you guys follow me over there or just do the audio podcatchers if you like that. But uh, yeah, so we have with Eric Abenante, they re- he just did an, uh, a uh, documentary with his wife, Lila Hart, uh, covering uh, uh, Fauci, uh, covering you know, vaccine-related stuff. So this is kind of stuff that uh, you kind of can't talk about on YouTube so much these days. It's, you're, it's, it's iffy. It's very iffy. So I figure, you know, like I said, take advantage of this time. So I'm glad I have Eric with me. Uh, and with that, let's get Eric in here. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, appreciate you having me on, Jose. Oh, this yeah. It's a real treat. Yeah, it's uh, it's dope to finally get you on. We've been following for a while. I've been looking for a reason to have you on or whatever. Because I just I kind of just do stuff when the 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 inspiration strikes me. I'm just kind of like, huh, I don't know. I'd like to talk about that. And then I'll like try to find like, oh, who do I talk about with that? Well, that one. And I'd kind of had my eye on you. Like I, we were mutuals, and I kind of like saw you dropped a few documentaries. Just the timing was never perfectly right. And then this one time, it was like you dropped one. I was like, it was right at my like. When I kind of was like, eh, I'm kind of interested in that. And like, let's let's go into that. And I know you've you've covered a lot of other stuff too. So I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about you and I guess kind of the work you and I believe it's your wife, right? Is there is your girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. Is that wrong? Absolutely, yeah, my wife, right? I, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you know, you and your your wife done a lot of work together, a lot of documentary type stuff. And I know you guys are both comedians. So I'll give you kind of a chance to let people know who you are, what you're about, if they're not aware of you yet. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, me and my wife, we were, uh, we were still stand-up comedians. Uh, we were stand-up comedians in LA and we, you know, we experienced a lot of, you know, censorship and blacklisting. My wife was really the first person I met who was censored, uh, you know, in that way. And I'd never really, um, experienced that or seen it firsthand. I kind of thought it might be a conspiracy theory. And then you, you see, you actually, uh, you see people who go through this and then it changes your whole perspective. And so I even, there's clips of me in 2018 talking about uh, vaccine preservatives, uh, you know, uh, as an issue and vaccines. And so we've, we've both had, you know, uh, topics and subjects that we've covered that have led to censorship. And then the pandemic was kind of the breaking point uh, for all this where we just decided, you know, we, we really need to uh, take uh, some autonomy here and, you know, really change some things, you know? And so we released uh, our first documentary film, American history of voter fraud. It's the first film to actually cover the, the entire history of voter fraud. Other films just cover like one election and usually it's in a partisan way, right? You know, like, Oh, we, you know, we're only going to focus on, you know, this person should win. And in the end, if you t- it, the actual history of it shows that both parties for over 200 years are in a constant battle of trying to do as much voter fraud as possible. It's kind of like NASCAR. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying is the literally the phrase in NASCAR. And so we, we, we did this whole film on, you know, American history of voter fraud. And that, that actually got such a response that we got this new set of fans and a whole bunch of new experiences. We went to CPAC which is like absolutely bizarre, but fun as a comedian, a set of comedians. And so, 
yeah it's just been uh it's been great we did uh world death organization uh which is the history of scientific eugenics and on the one year anniversary of american history of voter fraud july 4th 2022 uh this year july 4th 2023 we released the trial of anthony fauci and that and so all these films have really changed uh you know our audience and uh, people who've been talking about us and to frankly uh, thank you for having us on because in the end you're you're clearly brave for doing so because you want to discuss these taboo censor mm -hmm. topics so i uh, just wanted to thank you and the rest of the tower gang for giving us an opportunity to talk about this today oh yeah no problem don't thank those guys they had nothing to do with this <laughs> yeah yeah until they get me on yeah you're right yeah i'm waiting for the invite <laughs> yeah we are very uh we're very bad about guest spots because we, we we've talked about going to like two a week but we we just like we've had too many times where we have like a guest on and we, we just like vibing with the boys and then sometimes the guest is like throwing a new guy in the mix like eh. and so it's like i think in the future we might go to like a one day with just the boys and then one day where we have like a guest and maybe one of one of us randomly will sit out or something that way because there's always people are like bring me on the show and you're like i know this is normally a podcast work but we really just want to look at funny content with our buddies <laughs> like, it's tough so. when you're like yeah in 2024 i have this <laughs> great weekend yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no so i don't know it, it's it, it's weird we used to really court guests and so i don't know maybe we'll get you on sometime we have so many guests that we're like crap when you get this guy back on when you get that back that guy back on but uh yeah we'll we'll i, I will keep you in the in the, the 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 list of names in my head for sure but yeah uh, you're right until they have me on screw that yeah yeah you're yeah right. which thank but i for, guess let's do clarifying. a little bit of an, let's do a little bit of an audition for tower gang i guess because uh you were telling me today you really wanted to get some anti-semitism off your chest or something along those lines. oh no so it's someone is you know a, a jew tried to do this gotcha journalism thing on one of my friends uh, you know one of my wife's friends actually who has been very supportive of my wife and is not an anti-semite you know and so it yeah, was just literally yeah, fucking you know she hasn't she hasn't like you know committed genocide or like done actual yeah. terrible things you are you jewish know? right Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the way it works, by the way, is like it's matrilineal. So if your yeah. mom is Jewish, whether you like it or not, you're Jewish. Yeah. And so yeah, the the issue is this they tried to do this article on a comedian friend basically saying that she is anti-Semitic because she made Holocaust jokes. And to Which be honest, hilarious. <laughs> and tame, like they're not that controversial. I've <laughs> most Jews, you gotta realize, like like Mel Brooks made the producers and like, you know, um, springtime for Hitler, like not even two <laughs> decades after the Holocaust and World yeah. War Two. Yet now we're doing too soon. Oh, no, we're not ready for this. Like, come on. <laughs> it's not a big deal. And like they, they were really honestly a four out of ten in terms of controversialness. I thought they were funny, but yeah. it was to be like the thing she said, it wasn't even that bad. You know, yeah. I mean, like there's there's people out there like Nick Fuentes and, you you know, who like who say stuff. And it's like, I, I don't mind him at all. But it's yeah, like either. You're I think afraid, it's hilarious. But... You're afraid of going after someone who actually says, like, to be honest, like nine out of ten stuff. You're going after a four out of ten. because You're scared. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. wouldn't even I you know, I'm one of those Jewish people. I don't even think that you should censor anyone who like even a Holocaust denier. Uh, yeah. we, we, you know, go back to 1978, Skokie, Illinois, the ACLU back when they actually had integrity fought for the rights of neo-Nazis to march in Skokie, Illinois under the F first amendment principle. 
And in the end, a Holocaust denier, I don't mind talking to them about it. I think they're incorrect on a lot of things. I will admit, um, I can't tell you how you get to six million, but there's millions. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, like if we baked however many what is like the, the joke, like every well, so every like, cookies this day from like, if you look at the actual statistics they yeah. give you, it's shocking. It's like it doesn't even come close to six million if you did the math. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was definitely more than millions because like Auschwitz was a million on its own and then da 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 yeah. da, da easily yeah. over two million. Absolutely. So, but, uh, but I, but I, numbers. I don't even if you're in this realm that we're at right now where we're like, I don't know, three, maybe four, maybe five, maybe six. They're like Holocaust deniers. It's like, what? And, no. and I, I totally understand like the, the frustration people have. And what I was getting at was the biggest source of anti-Semitism is this fake, you know, these false accusations of anti-Semitism yep. by Jewish people. I mean, I've actually asked people who are, you know, legitimately like pretty hateful of Jewish people. I would ask them like, you know, what is the source of it? And it's always a Jew or a group of Jews who are incredibly unfair to them in various ways and sometimes like became litigious with it. <laughs> and so it's like I understand the frustration and the anger that I have to deal with because of people like them, you know, and there's so many good Jewish people who don't make the news or don't do anything. Cause we're just living our lives, not being Machiavellian <laughs> and destroying other people's lives. But there, I cannot deny. I mean, we go over in world death organization, you know, um, the, the worst Jewish, the worst anti-Semitism ever was committed by another Jew. A Jewish scientist, Fritz Haber, he was the one who developed Cyclone B. That was used to murder a bunch of Jews, whether it was millions or tens of millions, whatever. Yeah, you know, know. You know it's a hundred million now. Yeah, but, million. You know, but, you know, in the end, that was used to yeah. exterminate us at the highest rate we've ever been killed. And therefore, it's like we should think about maybe policing our own and stop commenting on other people as much. And because we honestly are the biggest cause of it. And I was even defending this, uh, my friend, th this person was like, well, are you a Jew? And it's like, dude, like, but, but, okay. But in, even, if you, even if you're blind, <laughs> yeah. like, okay. Um, I, like I've, I said multiple times that I was Jewish, but he wouldn't treat me as a normal person until I revealed myself as Jewish. <laughs> And I'm like, so you're just you're proving your prejudicial attitude. Yeah. It's like and, now I'm now I hover above you all and can do whatever. <laughs> and so I just I, I I you know it's a I know and multiple multiple Jews were accusing me of not being Jewish because I had a differing opinion. And so at this point, I I mean I'm not at this point, but it was just a recent uh, like you know reawakening of the understanding of like God. I totally get it. Some of us are annoying. <laughs> really, I think what it comes to, I've just gone to the point where like the last couple years and maybe even before that, I've just come to the conclusion that I don't really care about any accusations of any isms, even if they are legit. Now, the, the exception would be if there's some sort of violence or someone's actually being legitimately harmed. Because otherwise, all you're telling me is someone doesn't like you. And grow the fuck up. I, I'm sorry. Someone doesn't like you. Do you like? And most of the time, it's used as some sort of deflection from some sort of actual argument. You're like, oh, racism. Okay. All right. Sure. Let's. 
let's say it is racist. Do you have a fucking argument? <laughs> like, 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 are you going to address anything I said? Assume I'm a racist. Who gives a fuck? Like, it is like, it, am I hurting you? Is someone hurting you? Like, stop being a faggot. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, okay. Actual, like I, you know, actual anti-Semitism was like, you know, my family had to immigrate to four separate continents from Africa, so South, South America, North America, Europe, and Asia. To well, they were probably experiencing legitimate legal persecution. You well, know what I mean? Like, like you, you know, have like to, it's one thing. You have to like move, you. If you have yeah. to move, okay, that's actual anti-Semitism, and we're talking yes. like to avoid death, not like yes. oh, Ron DeSantis's policies really irk me. <laughs> no, we're talking like actual like your life could be in danger if not you're gone, and you have to have that instinct because the people who didn't leave Germany, you're out of there. So the, this is the, you know, the, the, the understanding is like there's actual anti-Semitism and then there's the crying wolf. It's like a false rape accusation and actually harms the other people who are doing genuine like, you know, uh, I was a victim like the genuine victims get completely washed out. Uh, a lot of the you know, it's like there, there's a lot of uh, vandalism to synagogues that they find out was actually done by a Jewish person to try and show the issues of anti-Semitism. Yeah. And it's like, no, that doesn't help. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just to the point that all these isms too become so vague. And so it bec to even engage with an accusation of any of these isms is entirely fruitless. So like, I feel like either just don't address it or to go, sure. Okay. Whatever. Because what it always comes down to is a semantic argument of what your definition of this given ism is. And so someone can be like, well, my definition is legitimate, you know, persecution of some sort. And then someone else's can be, oh, well, I don't know. You should be more sensitive to the fact that I'm from this minority and this specific stereotype to, uh, type you may or may not have accidentally addressed or purposefully somehow infringes on my uh, social uh, sensibilities. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and I appreciate different backgrounds and uh, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, we are definitely students of history. We have a, we have, a, we actually have two uh, other documentaries. They're both on comedians, one on Joan Rivers and one on Dick Gregory. And with Dick Gregory going through this, the Birmingham civil rights protests where Democrats jailed MLK and Dick Gregory, you know, that was actual racism where they had to go to jail, you know, and it was over protesting over like actual basic civil liberties. And Dick Gregory in the film talks about how, you know, he was actually a pretty wealthy man at the time. But he knew what real racism was, was when he, when he was walking in Mississippi and he's like, God, if I don't have a gun, I can't protect myself from dying here. And, you know, it's like it was that worried, like, oh, I, would, I can get robbed at any moment. I have to. He talked about when he was in Mississippi, he couldn't sleep. He had to be, you know, one eye open the whole time until he got out and it, it, because he was worried because he was getting followed. And so that's actual racism, whereas the, what people complain about today is like m not minor m confusions of context mostly yeah this is why i like to just just differentiate it by uh, some sort of 
rights infringement, like a legitimate right, not a civil right, because that's just a made up fucking term. Like, if you understand the conception of rights, civil rights is nonsensical. It means nothing. Like, ultimately, like, I'm, you know, I don't know your specific politics, but I'm more libertarian. I'm a big fan of, like, private property. So, really, it all comes down to private property. You infringing on somebody's property rights, and you are your own property. So, if someone's jailing someone, hurting someone, you know, pursuing legal action that's going to, you know, in any way infringe them in that way, you're, you're infringing upon their property. Or if it's their actual property as well. So, it's like... Or, if you're or just talking about that. someone being mean, that it's like, or are we talking property infringements here? Then okay, I'm open to, to hear because now there's a legitimate case to be had, you know? Yeah, or to turn that access to property. So, for instance, the unvaccinated, when they were not allowed into buildings, that was a violation of civil rights. And, you know, that goes back to the 1960s and, you know, Dick Gregory and MLK, they were trying to have access to the University of Alabama. You know, and they were they were saying, hey, we should be allowed to go to this school. That is a violation yes. of civil rights. That's yes, a because that's supposed to be stuff. public property. We're yeah. supposed to as such. I mean, we get our money stolen by the government. And as such, you're supposed to have some claim to at least like, hey, I should be able to go to this thing if I, you know, meet whatever parameters, you know, like any other race. If you're if, yes, if you're blocking that off by race at that point. Yeah, that's a private property. And that's a property infringement of some sort. You know what I mean? So that is legitimate gripe to be had, you know? And it's the University of Alabama. Come on. It's yeah. not like it's Yale, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, the, and the, what you said is very true. They will use these these titles as a cudgel to attack you. Now, I get called an anti-vaxxer, and uh, I actually would say I'm actually completely against the anti-vaccination technology. So I actually would say anti-vaxxer doesn't go far enough to describe where I'm at. But in the end, that title gets thrown around if you question any portion of vaccines in any way so uh, how uh, holocaust denier if you question anything about the holocaust you're a holocaust denier where in reality you know most holocaust deniers i've talked to it's usually like hey it's not six million and i'm like well yeah, yeah. it wasn't six million and then like, well, I, actually, know, I, I think the northern camps might not be as legit as they make them out to be and you're like oh <laughs> or whatever it's, <laughs> it's like there, there's various accounts from nazi yeah. doctors that are much more reliable so we cover like the vaccine experiments. So Nazi doctors, when gassing was uneconomical, like you only wanted to get a couple of them, right? They would use this vaccine preservative that is still used today, phenol, but they would use it in a higher concentration and they would use that to individually exterminate Jews. And they said around 20,000 Jews died from either that or just the vaccine experiments that they were doing during the Holocaust. And so, you know, I talk to Holocaust deniers mostly about, you know, these types of things. And then they'll actually, oh, yeah, those things did probably happen, you know, because yeah. it's, it's their accounts. And then it's a lot more there's there's actually a bridge, a common commonality that can be that can be had. You yeah, know? there is there is. While people don't want to admit it, if you do start getting I mean, we're we're in this situation. So fuck it. Why not talk about it? Uh, there are and I can't quote them off to you. I've got, only been like kind of had a cursory interest in like these taboo topics. So I've looked into it, but there are sensational stories that have been completely debunked. that have like been Holocaust stuff because people don't want to think people would make up crazy stories. And then, but then what happens is when people question some of these accounts, some of the more crazy ones that are like, you know, come to find out later, you know, this person wasn't even in the camp or whatever. It's like, if anyone questions it and now they get labeled as some sort of Holocaust denier, where it's like, no, I'm just like, this person's clearly full of shit. And it's like, you know, don't you want to have an accurate representation of history? Like, well, oh, yeah, there's like, a lot what? of individual fraud. In fact, this woman very yeah. recently uh, claimed that, like, her she had 30 different um, relatives 
in the Holocaust and she had none. And she was like yeah. on the board of this, uh, you know, prestigious Holocaust type thing. And so, yeah, there's a lot of individual fraud. Uh, don't yes. get me wrong on that. But there's also a lot of various historical accounts that corroborate yeah. each other, too. And so it's like there's some back and forth to it. But, yeah, the, the people really the, just like we said, with the false anti-Semitism yeah. accusations, these false claims about the Holocaust really do hurt the actual people who went through it. And, yeah, uh, padding the numbers and fudging it a little bit, adding 10 percent here and there. That doesn't help either. Uh, yes. Just because six million sounds good. Do, you know, it's like. And in the end, it's like it, mil it doesn't matter the number. No, it was millions of people for sure. Yeah, but it's awful. Yeah, like, yeah it was undeniably it, awful. But the fact that we would weaponize it like the uh, the scientists in the Fauci film, there's this thing called the HIV AIDS hypothesis. And what they say is only this one specific virus, HIV, causes this syndrome where you just have your immune system destroyed. Yet there was all these different things that actually would destroy your immune system. It's clearly a failed hypothesis. They made AIDS a product. And so, you know, that they had AIDS, once they had the AIDS test and they patented it, that's when that happened. It's this same thing. Like, you know, the six million became this thing that like was honestly marketable and uh, helped them promote what they were doing. And so they really attacked people who tried to attack that notion when it was like, no, you're not denying the Holocaust. You're just attacking sp specific semantical arguments and like very specific stuff. But, yeah. it's, you know, it's like and you're you should be allowed to do that. And we as Jewish people shouldn't shout non-Jewish people down just because they have questions. That's literally what breeds anti-Semitism. Yeah. And the problem is, too, a lot of this comes from the fact that our people have vested interest in like people having a more wholesome understanding of how that occurred in the first place, mm -hmm. because a lot of that is, you know, washed out with just something as simple as and this is just as true with like the vaccine type, you know, whether you, uh, you know, believe one extreme or the other or whatever, like. You know, the God, I lost my fucking point. The uh, God damn it. I fucking. Well, oh, I can I can help you out here. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it with the the Holocaust. I mean, there a lot of the fake accounts really go over the real horrific things. Joseph Mangala is not even in the top 10 of the worst Nazi doctors that happened. They don't want you to know the real horrific ones. We cover them in World Death Organization. The yeah. vaccine experiments they were used to that, you know, vaccines back in the day, it took 10, it was like, you can make 10 a day, very skilled technician, yeah. you know, it was tough. They developed this chicken egg method of, you know, mass producing vaccines. And it was unethical experiments. And again, 20,000 Jews died from those experiments, according to Nazi doctor accounts. This is according to their studies. You know, yeah, these not... guys were likely paper clipped later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. I, I, very smart. So I'm going to get to that, actually. You know, uh, throughout World Death Organization, all of these scientists who commit crimes against humanity, they are almost universally uh, rewarded unless they kill themselves. That's really it. The 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 Nuremberg trials, there were 13 of them. Most people don't know that there was one for the generals and that was the showy one. Everyone knows. And those people did get a, receive a lot of uh, severe punishment. But that was for show. There was uh, a whole trial for IG Farben, which is now Bayer. And they were this huge, big pharma conglomerate. And they were the ones who were vital in all these experiments. Auschwitz was created because it could link to the Bayer factory. 
Okay, so it was a slave labor camp to actually increase big pharmaceutical funds. And when people just talk about the horrors of Auschwitz, they are actually ignoring the real horrors of Auschwitz, which is that was slave labor that increased Bayer's money. And they paid like $27 million, uh, I believe, for it. Uh, which, uh, by the way, uh, you know, if, the, if Bayer paid $27 million for the Holocaust, that means they think Alex Jones is like 10 million times worse based off the money he had to pay out, which is yeah. hilarious. But, yeah, ridiculous. you know, that's those are some of the real crimes of the Holocaust. And that we still use the technology to mass produce vaccines. It was based off of that, that those advances from those unethical yeah. experiments. That's the remember, real. Crime. Yeah. I remember my point now. It's like when you have it set up in this way to where it's such a taboo topic, you end up in the situation where people think vaccine and they immediately go vax good, no vax bad and aren't able to think in any sort of other terms than that. And the same thing happens with like Holocaust. You're like Holocaust, six million, Hitler bad, USA good, blah, blah, blah. Like, and don't get me wrong, majority of that stuff is true. But, you know, having a, a, a larger understanding of it is, you know, gives you like, you know, there there are things like foreign policy wise with the, the whole situation of how it ended up that way. You know, there were other countries who had opportunities to, you know, or take some people, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think the Nazis should have been ever trying to get rid of them in the first place, but it was like, and then also the wartime conditions kind of caused some things, so it's, I mean, and also, like, the, off the backs of World War II, we empowered the other worst fucking, you know, world power, like, the, the, the Soviets, and, like, we use, the, we always hold up, like, we, we dumb down the narrative of World War II to just Holocaust bad, and then it, it becomes this, like, you know, get out of jail free card for, hey, you just enabled the other biggest one. People who probably, if you if you calculate the Soviets numbers, it, it like, is way bigger than the Holocaust. They just didn't do it in one fancy event all at once. You know what I mean? Or not all at yeah. once, but within a short period of time. So it's like, and I'm not saying that that, that, that makes it, like, somehow okay for Hitler to do what he did or the Holocaust or, or that that somehow. But it's like, it's having a deeper understanding of this stuff. And, mm -hmm. like, a lot, because, like, if you just get stuck at holocaust bad oh you say anything that goes against it or somehow even provides any bit of nuance uh like it's like no there's a lot more to it than that like there were probably other ways along the road that we could have you know mitigated world war ii or stopped world war ii it like it didn't have to be that way <laughs> like and, and that doesn't mean you know it's kind of the same thing with like the Rus i don't know where you are the russia ukraine thing it's like if you kind of like it's like a lot of people like be like oh are you russia or ukraine it's like you have to like pick a side and you're like well, we kind of like caused this problem and now we're like a proxy. Like it doesn't make it okay that Russia invaded, but it's like we kind of antagonize them a lot too. So like yeah. it's not a very simple cut and easy, just like, oh, the world is easy zeros and ones, you know? And I think people like to try to make it zeros and ones and it just doesn't do anybody service, you know? Yeah, because if we don't have conversations like this, then people won't actually learn the the deep cut facts about this. The new, you know, it's there. There's a much there's a much more nuanced discussion that we can have. But we're 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 mired in you know. Oh, we have to get over all these uh, these conceptions of what is taboo and what isn't. It's like just we can we can talk about it. So you know, yeah. uh, like for instance, like all the. All the Nazi doctors, you know, all of them pretty much got Operation Paperclip. Uh, a couple of them in particular, like 
uh, Fritz Dermier. He uh, he came over here and he worked for the United States military and Dow Jones and Dow Chemical. And so it's like, the, you know, the he, uh, we had Nazi uh, scientists who committed atrocities in World War Two and then came over and helped develop Agent Orange. Um, Shiro Ishii, the Japanese scientist who mm -hmm. he developed bioweapons and uh, killed every single victim at, in his uh, Chinese uh, bioweapons lab over there. Wasn't it's it like Camp 131? Or unit 731. Unit 170. There it's you unit go. Unit 731. And it, there you it, go. I can it, never remember no it. no survivors of Unit 731. <laughs> it, it was yeah, an it's insane place. reading the accounts of that because it is like it really is like people think, oh, six million people died, this, that, and that's all they think of World War II. And it's like, there was so much more. And then like, obviously you added the nuance that a lot of those people from like that unit and then also from like the, the experiments they were doing over in Germany, like those people came over here. So it wasn't as simple as we beat the bad guys. Like, no, we kind of like somewhat became the bad guys, <laughs> like, but like sort of beat them too. It's not that like it's simple, cut and dry. And when you look at the things that they were doing, like well-documented stuff, it's, insane like just crazy stuff like freezing limbs just to test uh you know frostbite impregnating women and giving them certain diseases to see how uh the, this you know deadly disease will affect the gestation of a child and you know these are things that would like murder the parents and like just like almost any creative fucked up way to kill someone to think of they probably were testing it it was ridiculous it it is just one of those things that just gets glossed over just because oh six million people and that's all people think of and you're like there was so much more to this whole fucking event and like i mean don't get me wrong that's not to say that that like i mean those people's lives didn't matter but it's like oh, that's your only chinese. understanding the, the, the chinese went through so much like no one knows about them in world war ii it <laughs> never gets talked about yeah 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 i mean which and it's people like oh you're trying to minimize it and you're like no it's just like there were other like yeah you look at like the japanese like attacking the chinese yes it's insane they were like raping and killing their children in the fucking streets and all sorts of insane and, and the reason they were doing that is because since world war one the Japanese and the Chinese have been this perpetual, you know, biological and chemical warfare, you know, back and forth. And so they had they had violated every line possible. And so, yeah, it, it was it, Japan just didn't do that in a vacuum. It was a response to a response to a response. It's like the Israel and the Palestine stuff. It's it's never it's never just like a small thing. It's it's, it's this wide history. And yeah, it, we uh, sure Ishii developed germ bombs where you would drop uh, uh flea infested they were infested with plague drop it up bam you know everyone everyone die it was really it was a amazing bioweapon especially at the time and uh we thought it was so amazing that general macarthur hired shiro ishii uh and uh, he was granted immunity and the united states and japan still have a bioweapons lab in japan uh, that the United States controls thanks to World War II uh, since World War II. We show uh, all this stuff in the film. and we Everything we say in the films, we back up by showing documents or footage, and that's part of why people really enjoy the films because we're not just talking. You know, there's a lot of, you know, actual things to back up what we're saying. Yeah, let's let's get into Fauci. Let's talk about what a piece of shit he is. Uh, and I, I guess maybe for the, after that, then we can start digging into kind of like back stuff because these are almost like two separate issues. But although they intertwine quite a bit, mm -hmm. but it's like Fauci has kind of a even even by 
like without going full down the rabbit hole of like, you know, this vaccine did this or did that. Just on the basics, just the basics, like what you could get, like probably a normie to buy onto. You're like, this guy is a fucking piece of shit. Like if you just look at his history and you don't even have to really, you know, be like, take someone down the science of like this or that to be able to show them that, at least from my cursory understanding of Fauci. So you've definitely looked into it more than I have, uh, you know, the history of Fauci and kind of how he's been a, a leech on the public teat for basically ever um, and be and held up as the as the, you know, go to expert, you know, this de- deferment to authority yes. that, you know, so many scientists use frequently. And he's yes. like, oh, well, this guy that's the sort of the, you know, government guy, he, you know, well, I, he's he's he breathes this. So we're good. Right. That That's basically the function that he's fulfilled. So I'll, I'll let you go kind of, you know, tell me what a piece of shit Fauci is. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, the trial of Anthony Fauci, it's on my Twitter uh, at Eric Abenante. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also on Rumble. Infowars, uh, and uh, we'll get it up on YouTube in a little bit. <laughs> you know, we said we, you know, we, we're we're gonna, we're gonna get it up. It's almost at eight hundred thousand on Twitter. So at this point, uh, I'll announce it here. Once it hits a million on Twitter, we'll release it on YouTube. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll get but, you to eight hundred and twelve. Yeah, there you go. Oh, you, we haven't hit the tower gang bump yet. I mean, it's we're about to explode. Okay, it's yeah. it, the sky's the limit. But yeah, so the trial of Anthony Fauci. The premise of the film is that. Uh, there, there was standards set for how to remove someone's medical license. They've been around for a while. Famously, Andrew Wakefield lost his medical license because it was claimed that he manipulated data in, uh, using uh, harming his participants in an unethical experiment. And just by those standards alone, we have that times a million with Fauci. And so we argue that we, he should have his medical license removed based off the evidence of the film. And it's called The Trial of Anthony Fauci. And it's done kind of a, uh, a lawyer context. And uh, it's, it, it is as well-sourced of a documentary as you'll ever see the, uh, the amount of scientific publications we show throughout the film. There's only 2,000-plus pictures of evidence on top of the footage so it's very it's very well sourced the basics of what jose was saying and he was absolutely right is fauci as a public health official has understood that spreading fear would elevate him to power and resources that he would have that he wouldn't have access to if he was focused on making everyone healthy and happy essentially and also, by spreading fear faster than the diseases he is trying to scare you with, he actually enhances the perception of what is going on and cre- can create a self-fulfilling prophecy of a pandemic. And then on top of that, he will then offer up drugs that are far more harmful than the disease itself that we were supposed to be protected with. And when you break it down into simple terms like that, it's actually not that complicated so if you understand the machinations of the deep state it it really follows the same exact basic template that you see in like generic parapolitics like infiltrating you know extremist groups whether they're left on the right they increase the perception that this is a problem and then from there then some event whether it was instigated or or they dropped the ball or there was a cover-up or you know they did it on purpose like something happens and then they get to go look and now we're going to give you a fix and then the, the fix is usually some bullshit that really you know for one it wasn't even really a problem and so you're only making problems worse 
universe it somehow usually grants them something to some degree or at the very least even if it doesn't have a specific action result it will have it will drive the energy of the populace towards the, the, the way they want it to go. Essentially. It's the same basic idea. You know, it, it's, they're not that creative. Not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, a basic thing was, let's start with Fauci and AIDS. He came in around 84 and, as the head of the NIAID, which, and he, he grew this portion of the NIH as this really small niche division into this powerhouse that was worth billions of dollars. And he did this through spreading fear. AIDS is the classic example. In 1983, as he's the acting director of the NIAID, he is saying on television that AIDS can be spread through casual contact to children. The day that this publication dropped on May 6, 1983, it was by James Oleski. And it was basically saying that AIDS could be spread by casual contact to children. Fauci, on the exact same day, has a publication that comes out the same day arguing these same things and saying that AIDS is going to spread amongst all these different groups. It's not going to just be in the homosexual community. And by doing but so by releasing it the same day, mind you, they colluded together. Uh, so this was not like by accident. This was a they were working together. And by the way, James Oleski later got NIH funding and we show it in the film, the footage of that. So, you know, it's a, a, a definite quid pro quo. You know, they are working together. Just spread this lie, essentially, that, you know, oh, it's because you could see uh, throughout time. You could see, oh, it actually didn't spread the way that they were predicting. And literally the same. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Here. In 1983, we show you him walking it back, but trying to claim that other people saying that AIDS could be spread through casual contact are spreading unfounded theories. It was based <laughs> off what he said in publication, in, you know, in print, like other people picked up on it. And then in TV, he is saying this and this caused a panic in America. It was because of Fauci principally. Yeah, <laughs> it is wild, too, because it's like I'm 32. So like the I don't remember the peak years for over age, the same but age. I, yeah, over the same age. Yeah. So like I remember maybe it's a, I mean, you're from Cali. So was there, I grew up in Maine at the probably about the age roughly when mm -hmm. I would have been that would have been the thing. I moved to Tennessee in high school, but, uh, you know, both really small country. And even I just remember from just, you know, seeing the TV and stuff and like the shows and just kind of had the vibe of almost like a fear porn of AIDS, but it never in any way, in any real way ever affected me personally. And I, I remember on a local level, kind of being in the country, I didn't like actually remember feeling that vibe amongst people around me. Cause I think it is kind of like probably the same thing that happened with COVID with a lot of the rural places didn't really give as much of a shit. 
And uh, so I don't know to what extent it really was. People were freaking out about this in other places, but the propaganda machine for sure, you know, because I just remember having this like idea, like in the public consciousness, just from watching TV and stuff as a kid that like, oh my God, AIDS. Ooh. And like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a bad, you know, thing, but I, I just feel like you're someone's, if you could talk to someone today and they don't think that there was like a fear porn of AIDS during that period of time that was completely overblown for the actual problem it is, I just don't feel like you're really like existing in objective reality or being a serious person if you can't admit that at this point in time. And that's not to say like, even, even if like it is the condition most people think it is, if you don't go into some other weird territory with it, like uh, some people are like, I don't even think AIDS is real or whatever, but like, even just the, taking the base, what we think AIDS is, it's like there was definitely a, an overblown propaganda effort on the AIDS part. Yeah, and so if you're talking to one of those disingenuous people, you can point to, the, to them to our film because we show footage at the time where you can see the AIDS propaganda and the effect it had instantly. That year, people were burning people, a, a, uh, gay people's stuff because they were worried, oh, you're going to spread AIDS to everybody else. They were losing their jobs. They were losing access to all these different things. Because Do you remember really, Chris Rock's bit? He had like a bit about like AIDS. And like looking back now, it's pretty fucked up. But I, I wish I could remember which album it was on. But it was there was a pretty hard one where he went hard like it would not be accepted today and it like was very much about like keep these faggots away from me going give me aids and shit and like and oh it, like, okay he has, a, he has another famous aids but I maybe it was eddie murphy to... maybe i'm that... just being a racist okay. <laughs> you know right, i i think that was eddie murphy by the way actually because yeah chris rock <laughs> has another famous aids bit which is great uh he talks about basically what the fauci film talks about mm. which is like they there's no money in the cure the money is in the disease mm -hmm. and so you see the exponential rise in funding at the at nih level from 1982 to 1985 okay and so just on aids uh, aids research alone so he took it from literally a couple of million dollars to billions rapidly and this is all by the fear porn he spread with no accountability, mind you. And, you know, this is a, you know, later in uh, we can go over this, but we cover the origin of AIDS in the film, too. We cover how, you know, it's not Fauci is he, he was the head at 1984. It's not like scientists were not working on this, um, this this grand goal of destroying the world's immune system so that they, that we would all be reliant upon their big pharma products. And, you know, we can get into the deepness of this later, but in 1972, we cover the, the, the bulletin of the world health organization and how it talks about, we need to study animal viruses in humans and figure out how we can prolong disease in humans. So, and by harming their immune system. And so scientists have been talking about in publication of why of we need to do this, this, this eugenic thing of like trying to harm the world, frankly. And they are open about it. And it's it's publications you can access. These are public access documents that we show you, but they are available to the public. They are not afraid of people knowing their mission in this and it is it is very frightening because they do have the power to do this and they've been working on it for quite some time it is not just fauci and so we you know the origin of aids that that's like a whole nother discussion we can get into later but fauci has been working on on top of that 
that foundation of people studying animal viruses in humans and how those viruses can harm our immune systems forever. And how do they do that? It's through mass vaccination campaigns and the vaccines being contaminated with those animal viruses. Now, do you think there are, I mean, this is literally coming from a place of ignorance. I'm pretty agnostic on this, although, you know, the past, you know, five years or so has made me very much like, if anything, I defer to the opposite of whatever, you know, people of authority are telling me uh, generally. But uh, I mean, like, if I'm really interested, I'll, you know, dive, d- take a deep dive myself and really become more informed on it. But I, like you said, for example, like with harming the immune system, like, I feel like I could think of a maybe a scientist making a good faith, you know, or their argument would be something along the lines of, oh, well, to be able to get this, you know, little bit of cure or treatment or, or somehow to be able to, you know, give your body the ability to counteract this virus, we have to be able to get through to your immune system. Or they would have some argument because I think a lot of times in medicine, it comes down to trade-offs. So I think, I think what something that's not served by the people who just go vaccines good. It's like, I think it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of how medicine works in general. Like, you know, even probably the most benign thing you can think of that you take for something. If you looked into it, it would probably have some sort of things that are like, Hey, it also has this other effect that might be a little bit negative because you're just kind of crudely giving your body chemicals to induce some sort of other effect, but it may have other effects as well. So point being is I think a lot of times like, uh, you know, there are trade-offs, there's risks, uh, you know, uh, calculations to be made. And like, so, and a lot of people with the vaccines would be like, well, it might be good for old people, uh, but not so much for younger people with, you know, specifically in relation to COVID and it's like, so it becomes a trade-off. It's like, if you had no chance of like, you know, having any issues for COVID, why would you take this thing? And you're young that maybe could have lasting effects. Whereas if you're in your seventies or eighties and this could, you know, possibly help with a more immediate thing when, you know, more of the length, you know, you obviously don't have another 10 years left in your life. So the long-term effects isn't something you're gonna be as concerned about. Uh, is there some stuff in there you think, or, like, you know, because some of the, like, I guess the kind of the one that came to mind was you mentioned, like, the immune system thing. Are, are there good well, faith well, ways well, to interpret I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. they do not make any argument in a positive sense of why they would study to uh, prolonging disease in humans. Now, yeah. we're let's get into – we're going to get back to Fauci. In the end, the film isn't just about Fauci. It is actually about vaccine technology in general. And we actually also cover it in World Death Organization very heavily. Let's go back all the way to Jonas Salk's polio vaccine, which we cover heavily in the World Death Organization. And so in 1955, we killed 10,000 monkeys to make the polio vaccine. We ground up their testicles and their kidneys. And that is how we made the polio vaccine. Jonas Salk's one specifically. And Jonas Salk, when he was questioned about the process of this, he was asked, hey, uh, is there a chance that monkey viruses could contaminate these vaccines? Uh, Jonas, and you can hear it in World Death Organization. He poo-poos it. He basically says it's impossible and that they uh, they do not understand the science of this. And then guess what happened? Uh, Ten to 30 million people, this is the World Health Organization's numbers, 10 to 30 million people got SV40, a cancerous retrovirus, a monkey virus, simian virus 40. That was in all of the polio vaccines Jonas Salk gave uh, until 1964. And so in the end, 
just by that metric alone, the polio vaccine was more harmful than the disease they were trying to protect itself from. And then, mind you, why was he even doing that press conference? Because it was right after the Cutter incident. What was the Cutter incident? Well, to also make the polio vaccine, you have to attenuate it, the polio virus. What does attenuate mean? It means weaken it. How do you weaken a, a, a virus, Jose? Do you know? Uh, not off the top of my head. <laughs> you pour formaldehyde on it. It's called it's a mixture of formaldehyde and other things. It's called formalin, yeah. but it's mostly formaldehyde. Yeah, and I that, that. Yeah, yeah. and that is how they weaken the virus. And we show you in the film a scientific publication in 1954 telling you that Jonas Salk's um, theory of virus attenuation uh, via formalin is an unfounded theory with no scientific basis. And yet we still make vaccines this way, mind you. Okay, so the Cutter incident, what happened? Uh, the cut, uh, Cutter is this uh, one of the many uh, places that made, made the vaccine, the polio vaccine. And in the end, they actually got thrown under the bus because places like Eli Lilly and all the things that became Pfizer uh, eventually, they all had the same issue. Why? Because they followed Jonas Salk's instructions and the instructions were faulty. They about the formalin and how much it would inactivate it. In the end, uh, over a hundred kids were paralyzed in the arm they were injected with, mostly in the Idaho area uh, in the forties. When they, sorry, in the fifties, when they first started this and they rolled it out. And so this was an eight. And we show you the we show you a good clip, uh, uh, and it's still on my Twitter about all this. And in he had to respond to this failure of the polio vaccine. And then also, the polio vaccine, when it was being tested, also failed because it shed on the placebo group. So they tested it in second, third, and fourth graders. And um, it doesn't really matter which group was or wasn't because the polio vaccine shed onto the the non-vaccinated, meaning coming in contact with someone vaccinated would give you the polio virus. And in the end, mass vaccinating everyone for polio, a, you know, vaccine that, you know, you know, uh, would give other people polio. This spread polio more than if we just let it naturally develop in the wild. And it harmed way more people this way. And that's again, before you even get to the SV40. And then why do you, why are we even talking about SV40? It's a retrovirus and retroviruses like HIV, they are the viruses that can edit genes and scientists believe that they are smart enough to manipulate those retroviruses to edit genes on purpose. Now, a, a retrovirus inside of you will randomly mutate and that is how it edits your genes and you can't control it. Scientists believe they can control it, though that is a lie because all retroviruses mutate randomly. So SV40, that virus that was a mistake from Jonas Salk, that was used at Stanford in 1972 to edit the first genes. And that's where gene editing was born, from vaccine so, contamination. So do you think, uh, for example, with the polio uh, vaccine, like, do you think that 
Because it sounds to be like, you know, I don't know. I mean, you probably know that can spout the years off the top of your head when this was going on. I forget that when the polio outbreak. 1954 was the trials. 1955 yeah. was the first yeah. rollout. So I could totally comprehend because we've come leaps and bounds in our like biological theories in that period of time. I could totally understand them just not having a grasp uh, or, or very a strong grasp on the uh, the idea of like zoonotic diseases and how they you know can interact with humans and such. And, you know, with the formaldehyde, I could totally see in the 50s being like, oh, we thought this was all right. Like, for example, my stepdad was in the military handling uh, back in Vietnam, uh, was handling, uh, you know, nuclear uh, type stuff. And, you know, he's literally I think he's like the last surviving member of his group because they just had bullshit fucking safety protocols because they like he was handling nuclear material. I forget the specifics of it, but they just had no idea. Like, you know, they, they, we, we didn't really have much science at that time. And we're just kind of like, well, I don't know, whatever. I think it'll be all right. And then decades later, people... the nuclear safety protocols <laughs> in World Death Organization. You want to know why they were shitty? Is because when we did the nuclear tests, we didn't ha we didn't use humans. We used shaved goats and other yeah. cattle as the literal test subjects to determine radiation and fallout and its damage on bodies. And and we show you uh, all the, the nuclear tests. And yeah, so yeah what they went through yeah and also we show you uh when you get an x-ray uh you know what they tell you versus what they tell the instructional video for the nurses and this is in 1940 about how you have to lock the lead door because the radiation will scatter and bounce around and it, it, you don't want it to hit you you know it's it's the duplicitous nature of what they tell you versus what they tell other people in private yeah and, we, and what happens is it's the same thing with the with like kind of the parapolitics stuff. But with here, you create this incentive thing where like a good example would be like a sting where you're like incentivized to like set up this group and then create a sting. But if the sting goes bad, like the, in the incentives you've set up that if like the sting goes bad, it does you and your organization good. And if it goes well, it does you and your organization good. So at the very least, you can make the case that it makes almost little no difference and you're just relying on the honor and integrity of these people to you know, make the right choice because either way, it kind of wins out to their benefit. Uh, some people might make cases they're doing it on purpose, but even like not doing it on purpose alone, it is like you know, looking at this perspective of this with science. It's like, hey, we have this thing and we can fund and we can push out or whatever. And it's like they may know in their head that it's on shaky science or they don't have that great of a grasp on the science or whatever but they move forward with it anyways because that doesn't really matter because i mean they, you know they you know what even if there's a big fuck up it, it just becomes this this big uh, zeitgeist later that you can go use to bu bump up some other thing but if it goes well it's like oh look we're the heroes look we saved the day whatever and mm -hmm. it seems to be we're having the same thing with this uh retrovirus technology where it's like I think if you, I think people have this idea when it comes to scientists and doctors that there's these magic, you know, a, you know, better than us creatures. And it's like, I don't like, maybe this is going to sound anecdotal. And I know some like people out there can be like, oh, oh, kind of scoff at this. But it's like, I feel like a lot of science is dressed up in these academic papers and it sounds so fancy and you know, regulate and stuff. But like, really, when it comes down to it, you start looking into how we really know certain things. And like, you know, just so my dubious. What, it's, yeah, it's uh, so, a lot of these claims are so dubious. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, it's not this lofty thing that you think it is. Like my wife's been in the veterinary field for like over a decade. And like, you would say it was something with like one of our kids with like a fucking them being sick or some shit. You know, the, the instinct is to go to the, the hospital or if they have an infection or something. But it's like majority of the time you can just look up online, see what it is. You can look up and they usually use the same medicine for animals as they do for people. And it's like we don't really have this like crazy. Like it's it's 
we have a rudimentary understanding of a lot of these things. Some things we have more complicated understanding of, but I just think a lot of times people have this idea that like they defer to science and it's like, as oh, if yeah. they, you know, they are magical and no, and it's like, yeah, I guess sure. Like if you have a true scientific process going on and he's, he's being, you know, attacked on multiple sides, but it's not usually how these events work out. They usually have a, you know, a government incentives behind it that kind of lacks up some of those typical academic uh, checks and balances that may actually come into play. Oh, yeah. I mean, what you said earlier of like, oh, uh, scientists back then were had a rudimentary understanding. Well, every single generation looks back at the previous generation and they say scientists and other people, they had a rudimentary understanding. Now we truly understand stuff. Yes. And the, that's the psychological trap we fall in when in reality, we really don't know that much, especially in terms of how to heal people, because it, we called it World Death Organization because we proved to you that over a period of almost over a hundred years, they have been science has been focused on death, not health. That's what they have been studying: how to harm individuals, not how to help people. Okay, I mean, you know, it's it's a common thing. This is really what we've been studying: is is bioweapon development, and then we it masquerades as like health development over and over and this is a major issue the retroviruses used to edit genes it be it, be, it we think we have this grand understanding of how to use them we have the same understanding of how to use them as we did in 1972 in reality we think we have a grand understanding of it but in the end we're seeing as you know as we've seen the results of now no we 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 think we know more than we know and there is a warning in 1966, they wrote this long warning before we even edited genes, warning from a molecular bio biological standpoint of gene editing and saying that there are only two possible outcomes from gene editing, destructive transformation of your cells or death. Okay? And in the end, the random mutations, you know, we think that we can use these retroviruses to, to do the movie Gattaca, Right. Where you can have all these blonde, blue eyed, six foot tall, amazing, you know, change humanity. Right. That, that's what they promise you. And in reality, they're going to accidentally give you AIDS. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's really going to end up because retroviruses, they do not they are not controllable. And we we can. Yes, you can use them and direct them to edit genes in a certain way. But it always comes back to the point where it's a retrovirus and it can ra randomly mutate and it can edit your genes. And so the initial they they might have an understanding of, OK, this might be the initial mutation and we can force the initial mutation. But after that, they have no idea and it is not tested. And you are seeing the results of that haphazard kind of science. Yeah. And it is wild because in the past, I feel like usually, I mean, obviously we have the polio example you point to, but in the past, a lot of these similar such things were more isolated groups. Like they, like you use the AIDS one. That's a good example. Uh, during the Gulf War, they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff with the, the people in the military at that point in time. Uh, I actually know this just because from like my studies on like looking into, you know, the OKC bombing and McVeigh kind of like reading on his backstory and, you know, the other, you know, during that period of time in the Gulf War, the kind of 
testing that they were you know experimental testing for these like theoretical you know uh chemical warfare attacks they may may end up getting which i guess didn't end up being that big of a thing there's some rumors there was some but they you know put through these like mass like anthrax shots all sorts of other experimental vaccines and all sorts of craziness and a lot of these people are coming back with crazy health stuff because they just gave them an insane cocktail of all different stuff to address all different sort of problems and now you have this like smorgasbord of things you gave them and then it's like other crazy fucking wheel of you know symptoms that they were coming out with and it's like how do you really you know how do you really you know uh you know put that puzzle back together and figure out what did what it's kind of like you know it's weird that this one was like so brazen uh you know depending on to what degree you believe this at the, the very least yeah, i feel like people should be able to buy that the wool got thrown over your eyes that the science was this magic thing and it was going to work out exactly like the, you know or at least somewhat approximate what they said it was going to which it never really did you know it, it is just wild how this specific example and that's why I kind of like while i don't necessarily i would have to look in a lot of the claims you made to really be like i believe that 100% but like you know, I just now just kind of just defer to like, I don't know, like, I don't really trust any of this bullshit until I really look into it. And it's not to say that, like, I'm not asserting that, you know, any one of these given things or any, maybe there is some vaccine that, you know, is actually beneficial for people to take at certain stages of their life or what. Like, I should be able to at least be like, Hey, why the fuck are they getting this one? I don't think my kids are going to be using IV drugs anytime soon. I don't see why this is an issue. Like just dumb shit like that. And it's, you know, or what is, what is the other one? The HPV vaccine. I think a lot of people got a lot of issues from that. Like they were pushing on kids and stuff. It is just, I just don't, it's like people aren't capable of thinking any deeper and they immediately go vax good. And so then and the next vax comes out and there's, or next treatment, any sort of medical treatment, they just have this idea that the medical you know, community can do no wrong, you know, whatever medical. And, and we have recalls and drugs all the time for different, you know, things like, so yeah, the, the I, idea that it's like that anything would be like, you should just defer to like, Oh, well that's good. Like, no, these things have trade-offs. And a lot of times like, that doesn't mean that like I think all drugs should be legal or elite or illegal or whatever. I mean, it's like you just need to do your research, understand the pros and cons of whatever given thing you're taking for whatever given thing, and it just never seems to be anyone able to have mature conversations and it defers to oh the experts. But it's like once you get like any sort of intimate, you know, somewhat relationship with these people that are the experts, you realize oh you're kind of a lot of flying by the seat of your pants too, and like you not all this science is that solid and a lot of like if you know a lot of doctors a lot of doctors will admit that if you can get them to be frank like oh yeah but this is just the best course of action we have at the given period of time and at least they're honest about that yeah and if yeah. you as a patient you can go oh okay well that's fair you know like i'll take this risk because you seem to think there might it might support it but we've come to this point now where it's like no you can't even look at that like no good it's good just move on you know Oh, yeah. And I absolutely, uh, you know, I know these things now, but I absolutely didn't question the dogma on a lot of this stuff. So, for instance, the polio vaccine, they tell you it eradicated polio. Well, actually, in World Death Organization, you, you can hear Jonas Salk himself tell you, actually, it was natural immunity and the improvements in hygiene that got rid of polio because though that form of immunity was far more successful there were people who got three doses of Salk polio vaccine and they still developed paralytic polio up to 
of them, it was 23 to 25% of them still developed polio. And mind you, there was, uh, before that, there was a very small chance that they would ever come in contact with polio until a mass vaccination campaign forced a bunch of people to get a faulty vaccine where 25% of the people would still develop paralytic polio. Did yeah, didn't, far- wasn't FD, didn't FDR get the vaccine, or am I remember that incorrectly? For some reason, no, I thought no, no. it was a little factoid he, that he, he was uh, he had contracted the disease polio uh, yeah. in the forties, far before they had developed. Oh, okay, anything. for some reason, I thought him or some other famous person with polio like actually contracted it from one of the, the, the fucking. Oh, well, and to this day, the biggest spread of polio is the polio vaccine. Because in the end, it was actually a disease. If you look it up, it never affected more than a couple, like tens of thousands of people, like 30,000 at the most, like flu now. And it really, you know, and again, it's, it's hard. It is hard. It is harmful and unfortunate to people who get it. But as improvements in hygiene happened, see, now I want you to, I want you and your audience to think about this. Every time that you make a claim against, vaccines not working they'll say a typical thing of well that's correlation that's not causation well the only argument that they have that vaccines work is correlational not causational and the vaccines take a lot of credit for the improvements in hygiene and the improvements of natural immunity that occur over time and so we need to think about that when we talk about these things because they have you this issue of contaminated vaccines I want you to just think about the concept of vaccination in general. Would you want your kid to naturally contract a virus that only is that virus? Or would you want your kid to be injected with a vaccine that is contaminated with other viruses plus that virus? It also has uh, vaccine preservatives that were used to murder Jewish people during the Holocaust. It has formaldehyde in it or heavy metals I mean, it's far more dangerous to come in contact with a vaccinated version of the virus than the version of it in the wild. And I would debate anyone in any form of science. The honest doctors will tell you that's true. In the end, safe and effective vaccine, that is a lie. The actual honest doctors will tell you, you either have an effective vaccine or you have a safe vaccine. If it's safe, it's not going to be effective. It won't provide any protection. And if it's effective, there is never going to be a guarantee that it's safe because you're injecting a virus inside of you. And this virus is going to be cross-contaminated. And they understand, oh, we actually, you know, scientists, they're very unsophisticated with gene editing. You know, ethnic bioweapons, for instance, it's a concept. They've been working on it for 50 years. They've never come even close to anything in terms of actual developing like oh we can go after they're not sophisticated at all but they are very good at contaminating mass vaccination programs with other viruses specifically animal retroviruses and the biggest issue is if it's a mammalian animal retrovirus that can jump the host all the way up into the up to human so doesn't matter if it's a bat doesn't matter if it's a mouse doesn't matter if it's a dog or a goat. And you're like, hey, why, why are you mentioning all those different mammals, Eric? Well, literally, uh, they use eagle, rabbit, cow, chicken. Um, I mean, these are a monkey. These are all very common. Th- those are actually the five of the most common. A donkey, 
There's actually like an anti-donkey uh, uh, thing that they use. There, there are so many different uh, animals that are inside one vaccine. And then mind you, you know, we haven't even talked about the other original retrovirus, uh, which is Henrietta Lacks. Henrietta Lacks died in 1951, and her cervical cancer was taken outside of her tissue and was reproduced in a Petri dish outside of outside of a human. OK, and that has never been done before. We and humans really have not been able to do it in a way since without other retroviruses. But this was the first this is the most powerful retrovirus we've ever seen. Henrietta Lacks's cervical cancer. And it was so powerful that this retrovirus contaminated every major laboratory across the world. The Russians in 1972, they came with they, they were like, hey, look, we developed this thing. It, it, it grows outside of humans and it's in a Petri dish. This is amazing. And they're like, we had to tell them that's Henrietta Lacks. We contaminated your entire lab. And yeah, yeah so I mean, th this is a common issue that has like really been every single vaccine has been contaminated to the point where if you really want to get into it, that's where AIDS came from is contaminated vaccination programs. Yeah, I, I did want to hone in on something. You did say you'd be willing to debate anyone. So uh, I want people to pay attention. Uh, I mean, I don't even really care if you assume watch this episode and assume I'm some anti-vax or whatever. I don't care. Whatever. Call me whatever you want. I care less. But if you want to get upset about it and be like, oh, Jose's over there spreading anti-vax shit, fucking find someone to debate Eric and I will gladly host it. I don't care. And he's As doing a good tell, job playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I, I'd be willing to listen to scientific arguments for either way. Uh, like, cause I mean, I don't know. I think like I, we were kind of getting at with the politicization of this shit. It kind of makes it so on the government involvement makes it so it creates faulty science. So that doesn't mean there isn't some good science in there somewhere for certain things. I don't fucking know. There's nuance to these topics usually, uh, especially when we're talking science. So it wouldn't be as straight up as vax bad, vax good. Maybe, maybe not. I don't fucking know. Uh, I don't really care. But if someone wants to see that, find somebody willing to debate. I, I will gladly host it. I don't know. Anyone you think that'd be... I know Jeremy Kaufman's been talking a lot about vaccines, so uh, I'd be happy to fucking host him. I like Jeremy. I'd be happy to host you guys too, you two guys or whoever. So if you guys out there watching this, go you know, find someone, uh, you know, let me know. I'll gladly do it. Uh, I did want to kind of hone in on something you were kind of pointing out with how like, and this is a common thing where the government will create a problem or will legislate a problem, but then the problem like kind of was already working its way out, but then like fucking they get to accept the credit. And we saw that a lot with COVID. And, you know, a good example that's frequently referenced, and you know, among like libertarians, like child labor laws. Like the child labor laws came out at a point where we no longer were really instituting child labor, base, or at least it was petering off because we got into a point more industrial as a nation to where we didn't really, we didn't have the economic necessity as much anymore to where we needed to put our kids to work because <laughs> it wasn't like you know people were evil a hundred years ago and you're like fuck Tommy, we're going to make him work in the mines. It's like, no, we have a family and we're very hungry and we would like to be able to get by as human beings. So we all need to contribute. So it was just the facts of life economically at that period of time. We enjoy a better period of time than that, you know, with some of the advancements we've made. But the same thing that happened in 2020 with the, the COVID vaccines were, but they played both ends where they, they'd be like, whenever we had more cases, they got to go, 
they can go, oh, well, that's because of the anti-vaxxers or it's because it's mutating, it's getting worse. Or if it was better, then they go, well, that's because the vaccines are doing their job. And it's like, it's this unprovable thing. And the same thing could be said with the reverse of people who want to take like a rabid anti-vax position. But it's kind of, that's, the the whole the correlation causation thing really rings true and people's minds get broken and aren't able to have like legitimate discussions which i don't blame you when you have a government forcing these things down on you that's why it never should have been a government thing to begin with like i don't know about you if you remember when this first the the lockdowns first started kicking off and people were had were before government rules were even being put in place a lot of people were just naturally taking precautions because we didn't know and that was the information we were operating off of but then obviously that information was skewed from the get-go by the government but I mean, that aside, if it just stayed at that level and they tried to push through things and never tried to legislate things after that, and it was just them giving us shitty information, that'd still be evil, but it'd be a different thing. It'd be like, you operated off faulty information. To some extent, that's your fault. But once you start getting the government involved, and it, yeah, they, they're just playing this like faux scientism to like be able to support their bullshit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It became a religion in a way. Yeah. But yeah. I guess uh, I'll let you kind of get some final words, but I think we're at a good point. We've covered a lot. I think if people really want to dig this more, they should check out your uh, your documentary, movie, whatever. I mean, I guess it would be kind of like a documentary. I guess it would be a way to put it, sort of. Um, I don't know if you'd call it a film. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a documentary film. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a documentary. I don't know what... But yes, it, it, I highly people suggest people check it out. It's definitely interesting. Uh, and you definitely check out some of the other ones. And uh, I, I really do think, like, you know, audience out there, if you want to see that, I'm open to it. Like I said, I'm not going as much as YouTube anymore. We can have a full-on Vax debate on Rumble, and no one's going to give a shit. So I'm I'm fine with it. Find your find your best guy. I'm completely open to either way. I'm not a rabid one way or the other. I really think that'd be super cool. But I'll let you get in whatever last words. Can I get plugs in again? Uh, but yeah, if you have any other last words on the topic, then now would be a good time. But I appreciate having you here. It's been a fun time. Oh yeah. Um. And if you want us uh really quick, like in terms of inflating the numbers during COVID, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we cover how there was this. Uh, there there were multiple facets of how they inflated the numbers. First of all, we cover the hospital reimbursements and the specific dollar amounts uh, per case and uh, per death and, you know, ventilator. You know, if you were on a ventilator for a certain amount of time, you would get a specific amount of money. And then there was 20% bonus on top of that. And again, it, we aren't just saying it. We show you the document and we highlight it for you to make it easy. It's, it, it is pretty startling when you see this. And then you, we show you footage of uh, Robert Redfield describing, yeah, this actually was has been an occurrence since AIDS. Uh, if you uh, uh, classified this as an AIDS case, you would get a lot more reimbursement as a hospital. And so it would cause numbers to go up in various ways. And then we cover how, you know, uh, the emergency use authorization this was actually the uh, the one of the biggest facets of this because without the emergency use authorization, you wouldn't have a COVID vaccine. You wouldn't really have any mandates, and because the emergency use authorization is basically saying legally, you know, there if you have a drug that works and is a standard of care, then that is there is no legal basis for an emergency use authorization. And so Fauci from the beginning made remdesivir the standard of care for COVID-19 and then ventilators the emergency standard of care. And those two things really ramped up the numbers 
it continued the emergency use authorization period until they could develop a COVID vaccine and then mandate it and implement it for a long period of time. And in the film, we actually show you alternate treatments that were quite non-toxic and cheap that would have ended the emergency use authorization far before the COVID vaccine would have ever even gotten close to being developed. And the best part is you can see emails from Fauci at the time uh, showing his knowledge, emails of him saying like, yeah, ventilators actually harm recovery and we shouldn't use them. May 1st, 2020, yet we're still using ventilators far after that. Uh, all these different conflicting statements. I mean, we show you a long period of him saying, hey, if uh, a vaccine is considered ineffective, if it doesn't protect you when you get exposed to the virus. And then later on saying, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter that there's all these breakthrough cases. It's still an effective vaccine. We show you him throughout the 2000s saying that masks don't work. And if he saw someone wearing a mask, he would think they were paranoid. And you know, if they were using disinfectant, you would think they were crazy. And show you all these conflicting things. That's why we make documentaries because they inundate you with all these different things. You couldn't possibly keep up with all this stuff. Yeah. But it, when you actually document everything that happened to us, it is startling when you see the repeated patterns between AIDS and COVID-19. And when you understand that actually AIDS is the biggest scamdemic we've ever been through in reality in terms of our understanding of it and how they've manipulated us for generations to get become incredibly wealthy. And now you, the same thing with COVID and unfortunately it gets even worse and even more dangerous and uh, because they were able to implement a far larger mass vaccination campaign. That was yeah. And then we also show you there's three separate retroviruses that contaminate the COVID vaccine. Three of them. And we show you all three of them we go into deep detail with it. And one of them is SV40 that we talked about. And uh, and there's been uh, Pfizer is actually there's uh, pictures of them using it in for their vaccine. So that's actually an acknowledged thing at this point. So it's a good discussion to have. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I remember a lot of those different examples, but it's good to have a spot where they're all there. So uh, go ahead and let people know who you are, where they can find you, and we'll go ahead and get out of here. Appreciate having you. Oh, thank you. And I really thank you because this is like, uh, you know, a lot of people wouldn't dare even talk about this for five seconds. So thank you so much. Um, Lilahart.com, L-I-L-A-H-A-R-T. Uh, it's a slash documentary. That's where you can find all of, all of our stuff or my Twitter. And that's about it. Thank all you guys right. so much. Oh, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, this is No Way Jose Show. Uh, like I said, YouTube, all the major auto pocketers, Odyssey, Rumble. Go to the Rumble account. Please boost that up. I won't be posting on YouTube as much. Uh, going on Timcast a week from now, so definitely check me out there. I forgot to plug my boy, Top Lobsa. You can get my merch at toplobsa.com. There will be a new tr uh, t uh, Kenneth trying to do Didn't Kill Himself shirt coming out here soon because that'll be what I'll be wearing at Timcast. Uh, I still have the Yiki one from my last appearance. It's still up there, so go get that one. Uh, go look into those guys, find out about their stories. I've covered them on my show if you're interested. But yeah, uh, it was a fun pleasure having you, and let's get out of here, bud. Thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.